Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. Today's scripture reading is in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 34. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. Neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds. But Jesus knowing... Oops, <laughs> I skipped a page. <laughs> okay. Are you not more of value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of God. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, We are marching through the book of Matthew, marching through the Sermon on the Mount, and we're almost uh, finished with the Sermon on the Mount, a couple more weeks in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I hope that you are ready to learn a little bit about anxiety and what we can do about it. I'm sure probably nobody in this room deals with anxiety, but this is one of those good messages for somebody you know, right? No? Hard, tough crowd, tough crowd. Um, okay, no, I won't try any more jokes. Um, <laughs> uh, so, who who can tell me what this means? Oil, low oil, right? It means you got you need to change your oil, or you have low oil pressure. All right, let me see the next one. What does that one mean? Check engine light, the dreaded. Check engine light. All right, let's see one more. What's that one mean? 
you got battery problems. We just had that with our van. Had to replace it. Um, so these, these, these dashboard indicator lights, they pop up on your dashboard, and, and when it happens, when that happens, you don't take your vehicle to the mechanic and say, hey, if you could just make that light go away. You don't say, fix my dashboard, right? You say, hey, would you let me know why this light's on? What's going on under the hood that's causing this light to come on? If you don't know anything about cars like me, you just say, that thing he's on, would you <laughs> fix it? Um, it's, it's an indicator that there's a, another problem, a deeper problem, right? It's, a, it's telling you, get this checked. Um, and this morning, I want us to see that anxiety is the same way. Anxiety is an indicator light on the dashboard of your life that there's another deeper problem. There's some other issue under the hood that needs to be addressed. Uh, 2020 has been one of these years that has just been a little bit harder when it comes to the issue of anxiety. Um, and I know I've dealt with a whole lot more anxiety this year than in other years. Um, what we're seeing in this section on the, the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus is connecting several things to this topic of anxiety, and, and I think that, that what we're going to see is, I, I hope to show you a few diagnostic questions that you can ask yourself when you begin to feel stress, um, stress, anxiety, worry, whatever words you want to put in there, it's all the same thing, right? Um, when you begin to feel that, I want to give you some diagnostic questions that you can ask yourself to see what's going on under the hood, okay? So that's that's where we're, we're going with this. Jesus, when he says in verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. He's saying, what I'm about to say about anxiety is connecting back to what I've just been saying. So that's why this is all, this is all connected. He actually says, do not be anxious three times in this short little passage that we just heard read. In verse 25, verse 31, and verse 34. And then also Philippians says to be anxious for nothing. You might be familiar with that verse. Um, we, live in a, we live in an anxiety-riddled society. It's so common that we just don't even think anything of it. We, many of us don't even think of doing anything about it. And, and another issue is that um, we don't believe that we can do anything about it. We believe, we've believed that we are victim to our anxieties and our fears. We, we experience panic attacks. It's, a, it's something that attacks us. We, um, we, we, we have anxiety disorders, right? And so while, yes, I think that absolutely there can be things medically explained when it comes to this, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that this is not a medical issue. It's not at all what I'm saying. But what the Scripture would tell us is that this is something that we can do something about. It is something we can do something about. Um, and when we know that, it empowers us. It empowers us. Um, so, in, I feel like in, in the year 2020, um, the question is not do you struggle with anxiety so much as what do you worry about? What do you have anxiety about? 
Um, is, it, is it politics? Is it the election coming up? Does that make you anxious? Is it, is it racism in our society? Is that, is that a source of anxiety? Is it, is it the economy? Is that really what, what's going to happen with our economy because of the pandemic? Is it, is it COVID? Are you worried about the sickness? Are you worried about getting it? Um, is it your kids? Is it, is it financial? Do you have concerns with your retirement? Do you have concerns with your career is it about pleasing people? What do you worry about? Um, maybe all of the above. <laughs> so what I, want, what I want us to see today is that our anxiety is telling us something. It's, it's speaking to us, if we'll listen, about a, di- a deeper issue that needs addressing. <clears throat> um, and so let me pray and we will dig into this. Heavenly Father, God, um, I, I battled anxiety even this week, um, and, and this, this passage was helpful for me, and I pray, God, that it would be helpful for the church. Lord, would you just make our hearts teachable right now, soft um, in your hand? Would you do your work in our lives, God? I, these are seeds you, you talk about this, that, that you, the Word is like a seed that goes into hearts, and it can, it can go into good soil and produce good fruit. I pray that that would happen, Lord. Give us good soil hearts, open minds, um, and Holy Spirit, we just ask you to have your way with this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so point number one, if, you're gonna, if you look at this, uh, this passage with me, Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. Point number one is that your heart follows your investments. And with each one of these points, there's this diagnostic question. What am I investing in? Your heart follows your investments. Look at verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Earlier this year, I invested some of our savings in the stock market. I'd never done that before. And um, an interesting thing happened. When, When I invested some of our savings in the stock market, suddenly... I became interested in the stock market. Crazy, right? Wow, we're hearing, we're hearing voices. We're hearing voices. Um, and so the next thing I know, when the, you know, I see something in the news about the stock market, I'm interested. When, when I catch a headline that talks about the stock market taking a dive, I'm interested. Next thing I know, I find myself a little bit concerned about the stock market, right? Why? What changed? I mean, I'd never been concerned about the stock market before. I'd never, been, I'd never read the news about the stock market, you know, particularly closely. Um, I'd never been anxious about the stock market. Now, what, why? Why now? Well, it's because I had invested in it. It's because what Jesus says here is that your heart will follow your investments, where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. If you invest your money into fixing up your house, you'll think about your house and worry about your house, and you'll put creative energy into your house. If you invest money into your business, your, your heart will be there also. If you invest money into your weekends, your heart will be there also. Whatever you invest in, your heart will follow that. Jesus is essentially saying one look at our bank statements will tell us where our heart is. So think about this in your own life. What what are you investing in? Where is your money going? If you think about if you think about your bank statement right now, what are you going to see there? Where are you investing your treasure? And I would say that your treasure goes beyond just your money. I would say your treasure is also your time and your energy. So where are you investing that? Uh, think especially about that time that you have any control over, right? So maybe that's weekends, maybe that's evenings. What do you invest that time into? Because your heart will follow. Um, he's saying there's something we can do about this. He's saying that we should be more wise in our investments, right? He's saying that if you invest in things that are of this earth, where a moth can eat it, where a thief can break in and steal, you are investing in something that isn't going to last. And Jesus is challenging us to invest in things that will last forever, to have an eternal investment strategy. That's what He wants us to do. He says, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's, he's, he's not saying that you shouldn't invest. He's saying, make sure that you are investing in eternity, where it cannot be taken away. Invest with eternity in mind. In other words, don't just, don't just invest in this life. I mean, it's not wrong to make wise investments with your money. That's not wrong. It's not wrong to invest in the stock market. It's not. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying don't use your money wisely on this earth. He's just saying don't only invest in this earth. Invest in heaven primarily first. Think there. Think of eternal investments. As you do this, your passions, your heart will follow your treasure, your investment. So if you, if you want to grow in your passion for missions, then invest in missions. If you want to grow in your passion for the church, then invest in the church, your time and money. If you want to grow in your passion for the kingdom of God, invest there. Your heart will follow your money. So our first diagnostic question, when we begin battling anxiety, fear, stress, worry, whatever word you want to use there, we need to ask ourselves, where am I investing my time and money? Is it all focused on this earth? 
Or am I investing with eternity in mind because my heart will follow my investments? All right, number two. So your heart will follow your investments. Number two, your heart will follow your eyes. Your heart follows your eyes. And our diagnostic question for this one is, what am I looking at? Let's look at this next little section here. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Um, I'll be honest with you, I many times read through this section and wondered why this was here. It didn't seem to make sense to me. Um, because he's talking about where you, where you invest your treasure, and then right after this, he's talking about you cannot serve God and money. What's this about the eye? And uh, it took a little research, but as I started to dig into it, oh, I got, I wanted to do a whole sermon on this. I mean, I had to um, delete a whole lot of stuff on this this morning <laughs> so, that, uh, so that you could make it to lunch today. But, um, but, but I give you the summary of what what I found that really connects all this together. The eye, Jesus, when he says the eye is the lamp of the body, think about it like this. A lamp guides a person by shedding light in front of them so that they can see where to go. If you just imagine yourself in some deep, dark woods somewhere and you have a lantern, now how would you use that thing? You wouldn't hold it behind you, right? You would hold it out like this in front of you. And the, the lantern would shine light in front of you in the path, and it would give you the ability to see where you're wanting to take your steps. So, so you will follow that lantern through the dark. Well, our, our eyes are much like that. Our eyes, where our eyes go, our lives follow. Um, so... It's important what you allow into your eyes because that goes directly into your soul and will direct your life. If you tend to set your eyes on people other than your spouse, then there's a good chance that some point in your life you will follow down the path of adultery. If you tend to set your eyes on things you cannot afford, it's likely that you will find yourself going down the path of debt. Um, if you tend to set your eyes on secular news and magazines and books and articles that have been written from a godless point of view, then you'll begin to see the world from that perspective, and you will follow the way of the world in your thinking and in your living. If you set your eyes on Netflix or YouTube or entertainment or social media over and over and over again, then you will crave more and more of those dopamine hits that that's giving to your brain, and you'll be more set up to be brainwashed. So we have to pay attention to what we look at because our eyes direct our lives. Amen. Our eyes direct our lives. Thank you, Eric. 
Jesus says, but if your eye is bad, what happens? If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. But if you set your eyes on what is darkness, your whole body will be full of darkness. If you set your eyes on foolishness, your whole body will be full of foolishness. If you set your eyes on frivolity, your whole life will be shallow. Do you ever pause and think discerningly, critically, about what you are allowing into your soul through your eyes? I think most people don't. And it's why America is turning into an entire generation of vidiots. <laughs> We're a bunch of vidiots. Never believe the lie that what you look at on your phone, on your TV, on your computer screen, in the books that you read, doesn't affect your soul. Don't believe that lie. In the same way that you cannot look at pornography without that deeply affecting your heart, you also cannot endlessly peruse Zillow and Target or Home Depot or Amazon or whatever else you might get lost perusing without it affecting your soul. What are you watching? What are you setting your eyes on at night? What, what's the pattern of your life? Are you, are you endlessly watching news? Are you endlessly reading news? Are you endlessly on social media? This will direct your life. Healthy eyes can become darkened by feeding them so full of things other than Christ that they can no longer see Christ as the treasure that He is. So, what are you anxious about? If you, if you ask yourself that question, it may help you to, to recognize what you've been setting your eyes on. What are you anxious about? That's going to help you to, to understand where you need to make an adjustment. Whatever you worry about will often tell you what you've been feeding your eyes because our heart follows our eyes. So what do we do for not seeing Christ as our great treasure? We need to feed our eyes the Word of God. I mean, there's nothing purer. There's nothing more more perfect in reviving the soul, the Scripture says. And so, if you don't treasure Christ, then feed your eyes on His Word. Look at Him in the Gospels. Bask in His goodness and His grace, His power, His authority, His perfection, His holiness. So, Second diagnostic question that we can ask ourselves when we're anxious is this. What am I looking at? What I set my eyes on will direct what I want in this life. Am I looking at Christ? Or am I looking at the things of this world to satisfy me? Because your heart will follow your eyes. The third thing that we see here. Your heart follows your devotion. Devotion. 
Look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So here's the question I want us to start asking ourselves. We're sitting here. Um, What am I devoted to? What gets me up in the morning? What gets me going and excited about my day? What am I devoted to? What drives me? Most of us, I would, I would argue, probably don't picture dollar bills, right? We don't, we don't picture that number going up in our bank account. Maybe you do, but probably you don't. That's not what you think. And so most of us would say, yeah, no, I'm not devoted to money. So let me help us out. Let me just say it a different way. Maybe if I replace the word money with the phrase the American dream, which would be a good-paying job, right? A nice, a nice house, a nice piece of land, a little, a little savings, a little spending money, a comfortable retirement. That's the same thing. It's the same thing. So, the Greek word here for money that's translated money in most of, of our Bibles is actually the word mammon, and it just means wealth. And so it includes, it's not just money, it's all that money can get you. So it's saying you cannot serve, Jesus is saying you cannot serve God and all that money can get you. All the promises that money makes Jesus is getting at our worship, ultimately. He's deep down, we are loyal to whatever it is that we worship. And and here's the, the difficult thing. There's only room for one thing on the throne of our hearts. And Jesus is saying, money cannot sit there and God. It's not going to happen. The American dream cannot be on the throne of your heart as well as God. And so, oh, this is a tough one, um, because we live in such a prosperous society, and we have been discipled into the American dream our whole lives. He's saying, Jesus is saying, you cannot serve two masters, or there is no way to be loyal to two gods. You'll either hate the one and love the other, he says. So, if you love money, you cannot love God. If you love what money can get you, you cannot love God. he, He states this so very black and white. If you love God, you cannot love money, period. He says he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Both God and money ask things of us. They ask us to make sacrifices to get them. They both ask us to serve for a reward. They both ask us to devote our lives to pursuing them. They both tell us that if we do that, we won't have to worry about our future. 
So let me ask you this. Have you bought into the American dream? This one hits close to home, doesn't it? Believing that life is all about getting a good job, good house, piece of land, comfortable retirement. The question here that, that Jesus wants to get, get at, the, the, what are you really devoted to? Because if, if you're devoted to money, you'll use God to get money. If you're devoted to God, you'll use money to serve Him. And it, it, we all have to use money, right? The question is, what is ultimate in your heart? What master are you serving? God or money? We cannot serve God and the American dream. So the third diagnostic question to ask ourselves if we are anxious is, what am I currently devoted to? And it's helpful not to just only think of your entire life, but even think of like this week. This week, what have I been devoted to? Today, what have I been devoted to with my, my heart and my passions? What am I serving with the energy and creativity that God has given to me? Because your heart follows your devotion. All right, final point. <clears throat> Your anxiety tells you what you're seeking. Um, your anxiety reveals to you what you've been seeking. And so our diagnostic question is, what kingdom am I seeking to build? Listen to how Jesus challenges us to consider how our anxiety is rooted in wrong perspective, wrong thinking. He asks five different questions in this little section. Verse 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be about what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I've been, I've been asking myself this question. I've been putting my own thing in there. But <clears throat> is not life more than blank? Whatever it is that you're anxious about. Is not life more than politics. It's not life more than money. It's not life more than... This is what he's trying to get at. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And which of you, by being anxious, can change anything, right? I mean, that's the, that's the question I've been asking myself. What does my stressing change? What does it accomplish? Nothing. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of you, oh, you of little faith? What, what's he saying? He's saying, do you not see how valued you are? 
Do you not see how much God loves you? So when we, when, when we worry, when we have anxiety, we're not believing that our God takes care of us, that He loves us. We're not believing that He values us. He's saying, anxiety is trying to tell you something. Your thinking is off. Isn't life more than what you're worrying about? Oh, you of little faith. Author Randy Alcorn calls worry momentary atheism. I like that. In that moment, I'm not believing in God, right? My anxiety is speaking to me like the check engine light on my car, warning me that there's a problem under the hood, telling me I'm not believing in, I'm not trusting in this very good, very capable Father who knows what I need before I even ask. So, what do we do? Look at what he says, verse 31 through 34. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? The Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Jesus is trying to tell us He knows exactly what you need. And it, if He hasn't given it to you, either you don't need it or you haven't asked for it. Isn't, isn't it really that simple? If He hasn't given it to you, either you don't need it or you haven't asked for it. But He says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The cure for anxiety is, first of all, trust your Father who knows what you need before you even ask. And then secondly, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. You could summarize all of these diagnostic questions with that one thing. What am I seeking? What's ultimate in my life? Is it the kingdom of God or is it something else? And so we don't just treat the anxiety, we, we look at what it's telling us. We ask these questions, where am I investing my time and money? What am I looking at? What am I devoted to? What kingdom am I seeking to build? Am I seeking to build my little kingdom or God's kingdom? And the answer to these questions will help us to diagnose the problem that's going on under the hood of our lives. Now, it may be that you're here this morning or you're listening online and, and you are, you're, not, you're not able to deal with anxiety just yet because you can't seek His kingdom. You haven't, been, you haven't been transferred out of the world's kingdom into God's kingdom. 
you haven't allowed Christ to, to take the throne of your life. And so, there's no way to trust Him yet. And so, I, I want to just speak to you this morning. I, I want to invite you to a different life, a better life, a, a life where there's actually somebody who knows how to lead you, and He's in control. The Bible says that every, every single one of us, we are sinners. We have sinned against a perfectly holy God, a God so pure and so holy that when He became a man and walked among us, we killed Him. That tells us how absolutely different we are from God. When He walked among us, we couldn't handle His perfection. We killed Him. But it was all a part of God's plan. Jesus, the Son of God, came to rescue us from our sin, to rescue us from the world's kingdom, and to, to give us access to His kingdom, to grant us pardon, full pardon for all of our sin. And He did that by dying on the cross for us, by taking the punishment for our sins on Himself. He paid the price in full. He was buried. And on the third day, He rose from the dead. And He offers to every single person who would put their trust in Him, He offers pardon, forgiveness, a new life in Him. The ability to know God and the ability to live without worry. Imagine if we were a church that didn't worry I think that there are few things that you can do that are more countercultural today than to just not be anxious. Imagine if we could just do that, and we can do that through His strength, by His Spirit at work in us, if we trust Him, if we believe that He knows exactly what we need before we ask Him. And then we ask Him. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, thank You for your, um, your good, Your perfect Word that revives the soul, that instructs us and teaches us in the way that we should go. Lord, um, we, we battle this daily, weekly. We, we are anxious people. Um, but... but You've provided a way for us to beat this, to win this battle of anxiety. God, would you strengthen our hands in this fight? Help us to take responsibility for our anxiety, to turn to you with it, to trust you. Help us to diagnose what's, what's behind it, to see the, the, the ways that we're seeking the wrong things in this life, that that's contributing to our worry. God, thank you for Jesus who made a way for us to be forgiven and cleansed, to stand before you holy and blameless and above reproach. In Jesus' name, amen.